1: Welcome to Homestand Sports, the podcast for the passionate fan. I'm your host, Albert Vartanian, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Pooney, who... Will take a victory lap as to why I was right about Patrick Kane going to Detroit. Yes, you were. And on today's show, how much better does Patrick Kane make the Red Wings? Why the Leafs still can't be taken seriously after beating Florida, and the Leafs' season is already over, maybe... Lots to get to and lots to answer, so let's get this party started. I'm Albert Vartanian, and this is Homestand Sports, where stories, not stats, take center stage. So the Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Florida Panthers in, uh, I don't want to say controversial, but kind of controversial way. The double tap, which led to another shootout attempt for the Leafs. Noah Gregor bags it in, and the Leafs beat the Florida Panthers. But in that game, Justin... What was your takeaway? Because before I get into myself, I want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. I just thought we saw a lot of the same from the Leafs, even though they did end up beating the Florida Panthers.
2: Well, first, remember a couple of weeks ago, I said, oh, keep the NHL shootout format the same and all of that. I'm sure a whole lot of Florida Panther fans and Paul Maurice want that thing scrapped. What a Fugazi <laughs> win by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, this team, my biggest takeaway, Albert, is this team continues to not be able to win in regulation. They have 11 wins on the season, right? But only five are in 60 minutes, Yeah. right? That is not sustainable to be successful. Again, to equate it to another sport, the Minnesota Vikings last year, right, were a really, really good regular season team in the NFL, but a lot of them are one-possession games, which we know in the football are a coin flip. And we know, especially in overtime and shootout in the NHL, it's kind of, you know, a coin flip. It's, it's, it can go either way, right? When I look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and the way they play, Joseph Wall stood on his head last night. And the fact that when Matthew Kachuk ran him, like once again, Albert, there was no response from that team. Sheldon Keefe showed more passion, which I know you want to talk about too, which I'll save the floor for, for you on that. But the way the Leafs play is just, it's not sustainable to win. Again, Mark Giordano is going to miss some time with an upper body injury, which I didn't know they abbreviated as UBI. I've never seen that before in an injury report. Mm. Um, But when I think about this team and I watch them play, they had a four-minute power play to end the game last night in 60 minutes. Not really any grade-A scoring chances I saw whatsoever. Then you get to overtime, they kill a penalty and stuff like that. But when I look at this team, I don't see... A team that's put well together now you can say injuries and you know new guys and getting acclimated to the system we're now into almost in december and we've still yet to see a toronto maple leafs team put any resemblance or any effort put forth that you can build some confidence off of i just have zero confidence again the record is good but when you look below that and dig deeper albert it's just not a good team and yes they have big flashy stars that drag a lot of headlines and stuff like that but at this particular juncture of the season the way they play it's not sustainable to have success and quite frankly they just are very inconsistent and I think my concerns yes they won but the concerns are still there and if anything they're growing now from what I've seen from the Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: Yeah, listen, before I get into like a lot of the negatives and why I just can't take this team seriously, and I don't think anyone really should, I, see, when I say seriously, I mean a team that can make a deep run into the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup. Uh, I'll give them props. Listen, Jordano went down early in the first period. They had to play a 5-D the entire game. Uh, Morgan Riley, I thought, was pretty good. He played half an hour last mm-hmm. night, 30-30. I thought he was really good. He made a great defensive play. Uh, on a breakaway for the Florida Panthers. Uh, So I'll give him the credit for that. Joseph Wall, to me, was probably the number one positive that came out of that game. Um, Just he's really comfortable in the net, and I think he's finally made his case where he deserves maybe a run of games now. Like he's clearly, to me, he's clearly the number one. Look at the numbers. Look at the confidence he has in goal. Now the Leafs are playing every other day. I think this is just a perfect time to give him a run In the net. Um, I thought Gregor was good as well in the fourth line, scored a beautiful goal, scored the shootout winner. I don't know how it got to that point, but regardless, (laughs) it got to that point. He scored the winner, and that was his first NHL shootout attempt, so kudos to him. Um, And like I mentioned, Morgan Riley was great. But back to this team. Listen, I thought this was a perfect game for the Leafs to kind of snap out of this funk that they've been in. You got the Florida Panthers, a team that bounced you in the first round. And they're coming off a game. They're on a back-to-back, the Panthers. The Leafs look like they're on the Mm back-to-back. The Panthers are on a back-to-back off of a game where they basically fought for 60 minutes. You know, Kachuk was going after his brother and vice versa. There were fights and every player got a a 10-minute game misconduct or whatever it was. And so it was a heavy physical game that the Panthers played against the Senators. So you would expect the Toronto Maple Leafs to jump all over that and really dominate this game. That didn't happen. Another slow start in the first period. They're being outscored 24 to 18 in the first period. It's just not good enough. And we don't have to even go through the numbers. Just look at how the team play, right? They were dominated. In their own zone by that Panthers forecheck yeah. They couldn't get anything going in the Offensive zone, not, not much in terms Of zone possession and puck time The first line was non-existent They swapped Marner to the second line from the first line That didn't really seem to work Although, credit to him, he took a, you know, a wrister Off the off the chin and everyone seemed to think That maybe he broke his jaw uh-huh. Went to the dressing room, came back with the, with the uh, Full cage on, and I thought he played better And I remember I was messaging uh, James Sharman Here of the Homestand Sports Network And I'm saying, well listen, he's probably going to come back and play like a warrior because he's got the cage on and you have no fear and he played a lot better. He was throwing hits. Matthews was throwing hits but just it's just the same old, same old from this Toronto Maple Leafs team to the point where for the first time since Sheldon Keefe has been head coach of this team going back to 2019, the first time I saw him lose his mind on the bench A la Paul Maurice last season when the Florida Panthers played the Leafs here and he lost his mind and the Panthers went on a run, ended up going to the Stanley Cup final. I don't think that's what's going to happen with this Leafs team because that happened in March. The Leafs have such a long way to go. But what that tells me is that he's sick and tired. Of this team showing next to no character, next to no fight against a team that bounced them and beat them up in the playoffs. Where the where the Leafs had no answer for anything, even all the scrums. I think of Marner getting punched in the face. I think of Matthews picking up sticks. No one standing up for the defenseman. No one standing up for their goaltender. It's the same old thing. And also Kiefa's probably starting to feel the heat. Like, hey guys, we're middle of the pack right now. You know, Detroit's getting better. You know, Ottawa's not great, but Buffalo's a good team. Boston's good. The Panthers are dominating. They've missed two of their key guys on the fence for most of the season. And this is how you guys show up in this game. I don't want to go all scorched earth here in November. But I just, if if, I'm talking to all Leaf fans here, just expect the exact same thing to happen come the playoff time. Nothing has changed with this team. There's no characters. There's no fight. They clearly keep talking about wanting to prove themselves after that Boston incident where Marshawn took down Lilgren and went in front of the bench and was calling out the bench and no one did anything about it. They're still trying to prove themselves. Yesterday, Matthew Kachuk... Went into the goaltender. Okay, he was getting pushed by Matthew Nyes. But regardless, if that was flipped, if that was the other way around, and a Leafs player went into Bob Roski or Stolarz, who was in that yesterday, the Panthers would have been all over the Leafs. And that's just the way you have to be. You have to kind of be a a little, little bit irrational in the NHL. The Leafs don't have that type of character. And the Panthers didn't even play their playoff style. When the playoffs come around, all these teams have a second gear, a third gear, a fourth gear, and it ramps up. The Leafs don't have that. Even if you give the Leafs a 100% healthy roster, they still cannot compete. And this is what frustrates me about this team is it's November and I can already see the end.
2: Yeah. No, look, when you look at this, you you hit every nail on the head perfectly. This team is soft. Right? This team likes to come out in the media and say, we're going to change things, things are going to be different. That's the tell-tale of the the Toronto Maple Leafs. Every single year, whether it's a blown 3-1 lead, whether it's losing to Tampa on 7, or to Washington, to Boston, whatever. Every year they like to come out there and pontificate and say things are going to be different. But you're exactly right, Albert. The Toronto Maple Leafs are what the Toronto Maple Leafs are. A team comprised of a lot of high-end, talented players. But after that, there's no spine. There's no fight. There's no character. There's no nothing. And most importantly, there's no playoff winning with the Toronto Maple Leafs. No. Max Domi was brought in to be, you know, a, a gritty, you know, sandpaper type of guy. He's getting his ass kicked every single fight he's in this season.
1: Right. Well, I'll give him credit, though. At least he stepped up. Credit for what? But, Justin, the fight is a fight. If you lose a fight, you lose a fight. But but, But it's a fact that he he stood up. What did he do after the fight, though?
2: He got his ass kicked in the fight, but then what did he do afterwards to Sam Bennett? The whole hair thing, right? You lost the fight. Take your loss and just sit in the box, right? Because the Toronto Maple Leafs right now, when they keep on talking and trying to act like things are going to be different, teams just think of them as a bigger and bigger joke. When you look at Paul Maurice and the Florida Panthers, do you think they have any fear of the Toronto Maple Leafs? When you look at the Boston Bruins, do you think they, in their locker room, when the Leafs come into town or when they come into Toronto on Saturday, do you think they have any fear of the Toronto Maple Leafs whatsoever? Leafs have no fear factor. Exactly. At all, it's been the like Toronto that for a long Leafs, time. Exactly. So when I look at this team, and you said it perfectly, when we go into April, if they even make it to April at this point right now, right? If they go to April and they have to go to Boston, or they have to go to Tampa, or hell, if they have to go to New York, right? No, those hostile environments are gonna just be a deterrent to the Toronto Maple Leafs because they have shown that when the going gets tough and they face adversity, mm-hmm. they turtle. Right. And last night, the Florida Panthers were in a bloodbath, modern day bloodbath against the Ottawa Senators the night before. Right. You know, you mentioned brothers going after each other. The Florida Panthers are a team that actually act like a team and stick together and will fight for one another. Right. Matthew Kachuk went up against his own brother. You know, you saw them chirping back and forth defending their teammates. Right. His own blood brother. When I look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and I see this, it is bad that Sheldon Keefe has to lay into you guys like that and continuously show that he has the most amount of passion on this team. That right there is downright embarrassing. And if I'm Brad Tree Living, I have to be questioning the moves that I made this offseason because none of them have worked. Tyler Bertuzzi, what has he done? Really nothing. Max Domi, nothing. Ryan Reeves, parked on the bench. Klingbird, nothing. Albert, the clock is ticking. We're seeing teams make moves. Again, the Canucks yesterday, what did they do? They traded a guy to acquire cap space to improve their roster. Brad Tree Living is not being proactive whatsoever right now. He's sitting on his hands, and I don't know why. This team has a whole lot of glaring holes. They're in win-now mode. And the fact that this general manager, this front office, cannot be proactive and do something is downright embarrassing because once again, this fan base and this team are going to get built up to such a high, high expectations as the season goes along just to have the same conversation once again in May as to why the season was an epic failure. And they should probably be concerned about making the
1: playoffs I know that's crazy to say in November but the injuries are starting to pile up especially on the blue line look Jordano just went down we don't know how long he's going to be out for but he's going to miss some time this is a guy who's logging some of the most minutes on that back end in multiple scenarios right on the penalty kill now you're going to be missing him Lilgren is still out John Klingberg is gone it Mm -hmm. doesn't look like he's going to come back we're still going to wait for some clarification on his injury and and whether or not he's going to have surgery but now that leaves what Riley Brody Jake McCabe William Lagesson, Simon Benoit, Connor Timmins. This is, is not that? good for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm telling you right now, this is a horrible position. And now Bradbury Living is dealing from behind the eight ball on whatever deal he needs to make. It's going to be difficult because teams know that the Leafs are desperate. They're going to need some blue line help. Forget the Stanley Cup. Forget it. It's at this moment in time, it's not going to happen. And Justin, I'll ask you this. I, I don't think it really matters what Tree Living does with the blue line mm-hmm. in the bottom six, because if your top six guys or your top four, the core four guys, aren't willing to put it all on the line, a la Matthew Kachuk, the way he does it, 100-point guy who gets physical. And I know Matthews isn't like that. I know Marner isn't like that. But they don't show anything near that. And if, you're, if your core players cannot show that and be the ones at the front line, what is your bottom six guys going to do? Because you have to lead by example, and they don't have
2: leaders in that way. I think what you mentioned is, you can win with these guys being your best players. They don't win have to, what they don't have to play physical. But right? win what they can win a, with guys like Matthews, Martin, Nylander. There's that's enough high end talent to win a Stanley Cup. I again, I believe that. But it's the secondary pieces, right? Can those guys pick up the physicality? Can those guys do that? Because you know. Matthews, Marner, Nylander are not going to be the guys in the corner. The fact that you have a captain in John Tavares that doesn't do anything, that a lot of times I never notice him on the ice whatsoever. This guy's getting paid $11 million to do what? No, he's had a good season. He's had a good season, but what what I'm saying, when the games matter though, Albert, right? When the games, the stakes increase, I don't notice John Tavares whatsoever, right? He is a guy that, again, He's got no personality whatsoever in the locker room. He's not going to hold people accountable in the locker room whatsoever. It's very clear that these other guys come in and they assume over the talkative leadership role. And I get that's not in John Tavares' personality, but you are the leader of the Toronto Maple Leafs, probably the biggest brand in hockey, one of the biggest brands in hockey, and you can't stand up and be a leader of your team, a a lightning rod for your team. No, that's also another problem. He's not when your captain is going out there and doing things right and setting the tone that gets everybody else involved as well right and albert when i look at the eastern conference landscape right now teams like new jersey are gonna get healthy and gonna you know make a run pittsburgh is gonna you know we expect them to be you know somewhat better than they are right now look i'm if you look at this eastern conference landscape Right now, they have the first wild-card spot. They would have to go to probably the, to New York to play the Rangers. It's early, right? It's very early, but I'm just saying, like, if they don't pick it up, they're going to put themselves behind the eight ball and be put, placed to go to one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference or don't have home ice advantage, which I think they need in the playoffs, especially, as you mentioned, when you have star players that aren't the best when it comes to adversity and playing in hostile environments. So, Albert, you're absolutely right. The, the pressure is on, and... I just think as this team continues to play like this and continues to be same, you know what, different day, it's just, again, te- teams know what the Toronto Maple Leafs are and the league knows what they are. And I don't think anything's going to change unless Bradtree Living makes a move or wholesale changes have to happen because this team is just, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, a big move needs to happen. And this is what I mean about, you know, some of the stars and the Leafs not stepping up. Look around the league, okay? Let's look at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Crosby is ready and willing to fight and get dirty, yeah. right? One of the best players in the NHL have been like that way since two thousand eight, two thousand seven. Whenever he came into the league, you look at Vegas, Mark Stone, captain, one of the top guys on the team, willing to get into the mix. Edmonton, we saw Connor McDavid step up for Leon Drysital, and and he wanting to scrap. Okay, the, I'm not saying Matthews and Martin need to scrap, but just get involved. Just get involved. Boston, we see it all the time. Tampa, all of their stars do it. You just don't see that from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm -hmm. So chopping and changing the bottom six, adding to the blue line, is not going to do anything. There needs to be some sort of culture reset and culture change. And that may be sending one of those big four away. And I think that's what might need to happen because this cannot continue. Um, It absolutely in no way can continue. The Leafs will not win like this. It is so clear. It's November – And to me, the season is already over because the same thing is
2: going to happen come playoff time. I think you're right about they need a culture change. And we've been saying this for how many years they need a culture change. But they continue to just – I don't know if it's ownership. MLSC just wants to keep this core four intact. But when you look at this team, the core four should have been broken up a long time ago, Right. The fact that the insanity that this organization believes and continues to believe that a team led by Marner Matthews Nylander Tavares Riley can win you a Stanley Cup. It's fool's gold and it's been fool's gold. They continue and rather the best organizations and the best companies and the best Whatever in the world are the ones that can pivot and make changes when things are still going good a year too early rather than a year too late, right? The Maple Leafs are on a trajectory where it's going to be too little, too late to get, you know, to move off these guys if they continue this. That's why in this, you know, in the next six six to eight months, as we figure out the rest of the season and going towards next season, how do this How does this team pivot? Because a pivot was made last year when Kyle Dubas left, but they need a complete pivot whether, and that's on the ice as well. You can't keep running back the same big guys and expecting a change. No. So you have to pivot and It's going to be big because there's a lot of big decisions that have to be made. You kept Matthews, but everything else should be left on the board. Where do you go? Because, as you mentioned, the season is basically predetermined for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's going to be a first or a second round exit, and that's it. Yeah, and they need to be careful, like I said, with the playoff situation. Mm -hmm. They haven't given themselves
1: a cushion where they can lose a couple of games. Yeah. Now you're missing defensemen. you got to win these games. Like you said, they're in the second wildcard spot. They're not comfortable in that Atlantic. And look, Detroit just got... Patrick Kane, and that's a guy we're going to talk about coming up in the next block. Okay, Justin, I got to give you some kudos, man. I hate doing it, but I have to. You called it. Patrick Kane to the Detroit Red Wings. And I fought you tooth and nail on this, but he signed a deal with the Red Wings uh, for his season, prorated. At 2.75 million dollars. Looks like he's gonna make his debut soon, possibly against the New York Rangers. Uh, why do you think Kane ended up with the Detroit Red Wings?
2: Well, I think what was said and as the news came out that he was impressed with, you know, head coach Derek Lalonde. He was, you know, Steve Eisman flew to meet with him privately. You know, obviously the relationship with Alex Debrincat played a factor too, but also we talked about it. He can now play some valuable minutes and some meaningful minutes on a team. will be a playoff contender are they a stanley cup contender no right but this is a team who's kind of taken that next step in their eiser plan right where if you thought about a couple years ago patrick kane going to detroit a mark Now again he's 35 years old coming off hip resurfacing surgery but he was the most the biggest marquee free agent on the board and he chose to play in detroit so it shows you that what they're building in detroit is working right what they're doing there there is some substance there, and I think the ability to help out a, a power play that's it's a pretty damn good power play in the NHL right now is going to be huge. Now, we don't know. He's on the ice. I don't know if he plays tonight. I think it might be a bit too too soon. I think if I'm the Red Wings, I kind of want to you know, take it easy and ease him into it, get him some practice time, get him, you know, acclimated to the systems and stuff like that. Um, but when I look at this move for Patrick Kane, it's a big win for the Detroit Red Wings because – He's going to play with a guy he's familiar with, Alex DeBrincat, but he's also a guy who a lot of these young players probably looked up to because, you know, Detroit's one of the younger teams and Patrick Kane has been a big name in the NHL for over the past decade and, a, and some, right? So it's a big win for Detroit. It's a big win for... Patrick Kane because he can now play on a team and I think Patrick Kane has a lot to prove he talked about it before saying that if he was a bit healthier at the end of last year the Rangers series against the Devils could have gone a bit different um this is a guy who had 21 goals last year changed teams and all of that he still I believe has has something to give is he going to be Patrick Kane scoring 90 to 100 points no but this is a situation where he has something to prove the Wings are a young ascending team and I think this is a win-win for both sides I think it's something that it, it's going to bring life back into Detroit as a hockey city. And we've talked about it before. Um, when teams, original six franchises like the Red Wings or the Blackhawks, or the Leafs, the Canadians, the Rangers, when they're good, it's good for the league. And I think it's yeah, I a situation like Detroit where you know it wasn't too long ago where they were one of the most dominant teams in the NHL consistently every year, and if they've fallen on hard times. But I think adding a guy like Patrick Kane, adding – him to a young core like with the likes of Larkin and Debrinkat and Raymond and Sider and all of that it's just going to help them out it's going to bring a guy who understands how to win how to play in big pressure situations how to deal with pressure how to deal with expectations so this was a win-win and I think the best situation for Patrick Kane across the board and what can I say Albert I was right That's a nice
1: jersey though eh? It is The white Red Wings With the 88 on the back Patrick Kane So it looks like he's getting That 88
2: though So that's good news Daniel Sprong gave it up
1: So what what are they getting right now They're getting a Maybe the greatest Chicago Blackhawk of all time Maybe the greatest One of the greatest American born players Of all time It all sounds great, but they're also getting a guy coming off hip surgery. So for me, this is a wait and see. I think one of the reasons he picked Detroit is because guaranteed, I think he's getting a top six spot, getting top six minutes, getting thrown into that power play like you mentioned. But also, it's a lot of do-re-mi for an older guy who's coming off this surgery. I know he had a decent season last year despite the hip issue, right? 57 points in 73 games. That's not bad. It's not bad for an older player. If you can get 50 to 60 points for Patrick Kane to insert that into your lineup for what, less than 3 million. I think it ends up being a pretty good deal. I just mm-hmm. don't think other teams were willing to maybe give him that much. Right. Cause you still, if you, if you're a cup contender in a hard cap, hard cap era, every dollar means so much. Right. And I think a lot of teams maybe weren't willing to do that. I don't have any insider information on that. That's just my opinion. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him, seeing him in, in the red wings Jersey and playing for that team. I just don't know what to expect. I mean, to see him and Dabrinkit coming back together, that's interesting. When they played together, Dabrinkit, I think, scored 41 goals in one mm-hmm. season. And yet had Patrick Kane, 26 goals, 66 assists in that season that he played with Dabrinkit. So if they can rekindle that type of partnership, and Kane is 75, 80% of the player that he was, this is a great deal for the Red Wings. But I just, I don't know. Hip surgery. A couple of guys Uh have come back from it, have had issues, had Jovanovsky. Backstrom came back and and left again. He's saying, listen, I'm not the same player, and I just wonder if that happens to Patrick Kane.
2: It probably will. Look, I don't think Patrick Kane is going to score 20 goals this year. I don't think he's going to score 15 goals this year, right? Um, I think what he's going to bring is he's going to bring in a situation where um, he's going to help out. You're going to see a lot of his stuff, you know, off the ice as well i know pat we don't consider patrick kane a leader and stuff like that but i really think that him coming in and just the way he plays and the way he practices and the way you know just being you know what they say, being around great players you kind of pick up tips and tricks on how they do things yeah i think that is what can help the, D- the detroit red wings out um but it's funny how your tone changed how he didn't pick the leafs and then now you know, you're like, oh, no, I don't know
1: if he's in that. No, I was saying the exact uh, same
2: thing. You gotta things.
1: rewind the footage. Gonna, no, we re- I'll, I'll put the okay. clip back okay. in here. There was no. I'm <laughs> not doing that. I'm not doing that at all. I, I even said I didn't want him on the Leafs. But listen, if he turns it around, ends up scoring like 25 goals from now until April, then it's gonna be a pretty good deal. Let's bring in our betting expert from North Star Bets, Steven Sahoyas, Stevie P. Uh, Before we get into the Thursday night football game at Seahawks uh, at the Cowboys, I have to bring up the Buffalo Bills. You came on here. You gave us a big dog pick for them to take down the Philadelphia Eagles. You almost had it. But, dude, as a Bills fan, that's a heartbreaker. And maybe the end of the road for the Bills?
0: It's not the end of the road, but the road is, it's under construction. Yes, it is. We're we're getting close to the point where you won't be able to move much further down this road. Uh, Unfortunately, I think this will be the end of Sean McDermott if they don't make the playoffs. Uh, He just made so many blunders in that game. I mean, first of all, the decision to call a timeout to try to ice the kicker, when you knew if he made it, you're getting the ball back with 20 seconds and Josh Allen, who had been killing that Eagles secondary all game, just a mind-boggling decision. And this one, not as much, but I would have gone for it on that fourth and sixth in overtime instead of kick the field goal because as soon as they kicked the field goal, I knew the Eagles were coming back down the other way and scoring a touchdown. It, every Bills fan knew how that game was going to end after they kicked that field goal. So for McDermott to play a little scared in overtime and at the end of the fourth quarter, to me, I think that uh, that almost seals his fate there as head coach of the Bills, especially if they don't make the playoffs this year.
1: Yeah, it's going to be pretty tough. It's a tough schedule coming up for the Bills, uh, but I'm sure we'll talk about them down the road. Let's talk about Thursday night's game. It's the Seahawks, as I mentioned, against the Cowboys. The Cowboys right now laying 8.5. It's gone up to 9.5 at, at certain spots. I know North Star bets it was at one point. Um, do you see the Seahawks uh, covering this big number, or is it going to be a blowout on Thursday night for the Cowboys?
0: Unfortunately for Seattle, like if, if I can't back that team because they did not get up for what was probably their biggest game of the year last week a Thursday night football on Thanksgiving at home in your own building mm. against a divisional opponent and you get whooped like that, I'm sorry, I can't come back to you the next week, especially against the Dallas team, 5-0 and at home this year. They're beating teams by an average of like 29 points in Dallas this year. They're just mowing down the competition on the road. We've seen it be a different story. The three and three on the road, but at home, Dallas is just laying the smackdown on teams. Geno Smith, I know he's not listed on the injury report, but I wonder how, uh, you know, how healthy he is with that tricep injury. You got Kenneth Walker who hasn't been practicing this week. Either he takes a lot of pressure off of Geno Smith, who let's be let's be real, he has not been good this year. So I'll take Dallas. I'll lay the eight and
2: a half, the nine and a half. I don't care. I'm taking Dallas on Thursday night football. You don't you don't care, Stevie? Well, I'm gonna tell you you are absolutely wrong because why? Who did the Cowboys who have the Cowboys beaten at home? Who have they beaten at they home? Beat the
0: Rams. They beat the Rams beat the Seahawks twice this year. Who beat the Seahawks? That's, that's, twice that's, that's, this that's year. a different
2: isolated situation. Look, I agree. The Cowboys <laughs> have been one of the best teams at probably the best team at home this year. But for Seattle, I do think they can cover because, yes, it's another week where Geno was able to get around-the-clock treatment on his arm. Um, I do expect, look, their defense for kept them in that game and has kept them in a whole lot of games this season, right? Their offense has not been very good, especially on third down. Uh, I have a interesting line for you, a prop line. The Dak Prescott passing yards, I think it's at 2805 half. I would take the under on that. What about you? Because Dak's been getting a whole lot of talk on, you know, MVP conversation as well because the Cowboys have been steamrolling teams.
0: I'll take the under on that, but only because I think they get up so big on Seattle early in that game that they just start handing it off to Tony Pollard. Like I think, and I think that's why if you're going to beat Seattle, their pass defense has actually been pretty good. I think it's on the ground is where you can really get to Seattle. So I expect Pollard to have a nice productive game against the Seahawks. I would probably lean under but the thing is what we're seeing dallas do is they just don't take their foot off the the gas pedal like they against the giants like i know dak only played like three quarters in a bit but they let him in a game that was over at halftime they let him hang in there quite late into that game last week it was the same deal they didn't take their foot off the gas against washington like when it comes to this cowboys team i don't know if they're rallying around this prescott for mvp uh you know kind of candidacy and push but like, they just, they just don't stop. They don't relent. So that's why I think it doesn't matter what the number is. Like You don't average 41 points per game at home by taking it easy on opponents. They're just laying it on opponents game after game. So I'll take Dallas here. I'll lay the points.
1: So one thing that keeps happening in primetime games, Stevie, and you know this, and whoever's betting on the NFL during primetime knows this, the unders keep cashing 29 and nine so far this NFL season. The total for – Thursday night's game is 47-and-a-half. Uh, can you, ex- one, explain why these unders keep hitting on prime time and where you at with that total?
0: I think a lot of times you see it hit in prime time just because teams don't want to be embarrassed on national television. How do you get embarrassed? You get blown out. You, it's these one-sided losses. I also think we've ha- had a lot of bad primetime games. I mean, look at this past week. You had the Vikings with Josh Dobbs. Nice story, but, you know, he's still not a starting caliber quarterback. I would Hmm. say he's just on the the, the cusp of being a starting caliber quarterback. Going up against the Bears offense, have really, you know, they had a nice performance against the Lions, but how good is that defense really? Minnesota's defense we've seen play pretty well this year. The Ravens are a good, low-scoring team. Last week, again, the under hit on the Seattle San Fran game, two pretty good defenses. So I think it's a mix of the matchups we're seeing and also the fact that teams just don't want to be blown out in prime time for the whole country, all of North America to see. So that's one uh, reason why I think you're seeing that. But I do like it tomorrow, the over that is tomorrow night against uh, in that game because Dallas, they're averaging 41 points per game at home. Like they're just scoring a ton of points. And I think Seattle will be able to put up a a decent point total if Geno Smith is feeling a little bit healthier. So I, I do like the over in that game.
2: So it sets up perfect for a 42-41 Seahawks victory tomorrow at Cowboy Stadium. (laughs) I love that. Love that. Now, uh, Stevie, quick question. Kind of breaking news in the NFL. The Jets opened up the 21-day practice window for Aaron Rodgers. Tell me why we should actually believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to come back. Because I have been a huge deterrent that he is not coming back. But do you think there's actually a chance he will come back?
0: Zero chance. This is set up perfectly for Aaron Rodgers. And, and he knew all along this is how it was going to set up, right? Only Aaron Rodgers, in a season where he doesn't play a game, are you talking about this man for the entirety of the season? Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles. We, you don't hear about him at all. But Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> every week, point. works his way into the media cycle. And here's what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be, quote, clear to play at the end of the year, but out of an abundance of caution. The Jets are going to hold him out of the lineup, and he's not going to play until next season because they'll be far out of playoff contention. It's a win-win for the Jets. You get to keep your quarterback healthy for next season. You don't have to waste him on a lost season. And if you're Aaron Rodgers, everybody gives you your medal for making it back in time from a torn Achilles. And whether he is fully healthy or not, that's irrelevant. But Aaron Rodgers and the Jets will both be winners when he doesn't play this year.
1: Well, over at North Star Bets, you can get the Jets to make the playoffs at plus 2,000. If you feel like it's going to happen, it's not going (laughs) to happen. Number of games won, numbers at six and a half. The over is uh, plus 125. So decent odds if you truly believe in Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, which I don't know why you would. I mean, Timmy Boyle, come on, let's be real here. But anyway, let's talk about some hockey. Go ahead.
0: Once, one quick thing on Tim Boyle. I don't know if you've ever gone to the website College Football Reference. It, to me, it's still one of the great mysteries on how this guy got a job in the NFL. Yeah, he played three years at Connecticut. He had one touchdown pass. Yeah, he did. One touchdown pass in three years at Connecticut. <laughs> and, and and double-digit interceptions. So how this guy ended up in the NFL. It's the and tangibles. Yeah, the, saying, he had the
2: prototype quarterback yeah.
0: body. That's probably why. I heard he was good friends with Rodgers. I think that's, yeah, uh, that's that all it was. <laughs> the,
1: ba- the best backup QB in New York is Tommy DeVito. Okay, that's the only person I want to talk about. I don't want to talk <laughs> about that Timmy Boyle. Okay, let's talk some puck. Uh, so big news, Patrick Kane goes to Detroit. He's been pictured on the ice today. It looks like he might debut in the Red Wings' first game. And you like the Red Wings tonight. Double chance and the puck line is right.
0: Yeah, double chance uh, at plus 102 is where it was earlier today. I think Detroit, they've shown that they're a good offensive team. Dylan Larkin's not going to play tonight, so that might hurt them a little bit. But I still think there's enough around uh, that team when you look at adding a guy like Kane who might potentially play tonight you've got Lucas Raymond who's having a good season this year you've got De who's fitting in seamlessly in Detroit I think there's enough there that their offense can keep them in a game against the, the New York Rangers who they've been good but their offense is 14th in goals per game Detroit's at number four Detroit, number 14 in save percentage. The Rangers are number three. So I think this is a closer game than the odds suggest. So that's why I'll take Detroit on the double chance market.
1: The Habs taking on Columbus, and you're looking at the total here.
0: Yeah, I like this game to go under. Neither of these offenses scare me, and they shouldn't scare anybody. Columbus, they struggle to score goals. They're 20th in goals per game. Montreal, they're 24th. Like These are not prolific offenses, and they're actually getting decent goaltending. They're tied in save percentage at, at 14th with 899 piece, So I do think actually this will be a game where you see a lot of offensive struggles. The highest total on the board tonight, which yeah. to me didn't make much sense.
1: Why in the world I took Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Laine in my Ooh. fantasy makes absolutely no sense. Mm. I'm paying for it. Every time I see Columbus on the board, I'm just reminded of that. So. It's a
2: whole lot of money sitting on the bench.
1: I'm hitting the under. I'm, I'm, I'm tailing Stevie as I always do. Stevie, thanks again for doing this,
0: buddy. No problem. Thanks, guys. And look, Justin, I hope it's a good night for your Seahawks, but
2: uh, I don't know. Oh, you trust me. They're winning tonight. I mean, tomorrow night. They're winning tomorrow night. No no questions asked. It's the biggest game of the season. Seahawks will win 42-41 tomorrow from AT&T Stadium. We'll have to wait and see. Thanks, Stevie.
1: All right, thanks for listening. That's it from us at Homestand Sports. Don't forget, we'll be dropping episodes throughout the week, so keep your eyes peeled for that. You can find Homestand Sports anywhere you download your podcasts, including Apple, Amazon, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. I'm Albert Vartanian. This has been Homestand Sports, where stories, not stats, take center stage.